Hawks Insiders, home of quality analysis, special features, match recaps, interviews, and so much more. Follow us on Substack for extended coverage of all things brown and gold. Hi, everyone. Ashley Brown here. Welcome to Hawks Insiders, Wednesday night safe space in the middle of what is a quietish period for the Hawks. They're on leave, or they're supposed to be. I saw a social media post today which suggested they had to come back for a very important uh, catch-up. We'll get to that uh, shortly. But it is uh, the eve of the uh, festival of the steak knives as <coughs> the trade period uh, willing dealing just about begins. Hawthorne up to their neck in that. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the VFL. Talk about round one of AFLW with a new... Uh, a new uh, Member at least for the next little while of Hawks Insiders, who's going to join us and give his thoughts on AFLW so far and uh, a couple of the bits and pieces going around about the Hawks as well. So uh, we'll find plenty to talk about in the next little while as I am joined by my co-host, Andrew Weiss, in the driver's seat. Weiss, hello. Good evening, Ash. Good evening, everyone. Uh, good to be back. And yeah, agree with you. I'm sure we'll find hello? plenty. Weissy? Plenty. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can oh, hear. Yeah. Ash? Oh. Well. Uh, Sean, I know you're there as well. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I can't hear it. Can you hear me? I can't hear anybody. I can, I can hear Sean, I can hear Simon, I can't hear, hear you, Weezy, but you keep talking for a moment, I'll log out and log back in. All right. Well, um, yeah, there'll be plenty to talk about, as Ash mentioned. And I think certainly from a trade point of view, everyone is very keen to get stuck into some of that. Obviously, he mentioned uh, we've got a smaller panel. Mora, you are in this evening. How are you doing, sir? I'm very well, thank you. Um, I'm, I've got to say, I'm getting a bit sick of this time of year where the, the most important thing for us is trade period. I'd like to get back into the main stuff, to be honest. Well, I don't think we're too far off that. I don't think we're too far off that, given the way we're trending. But uh, for the best part of 20 years, it's always been something that we've very much looked forward to, the off-season. We've generally been active. Ash, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I am back now. Sorry about that. Excellent. Uh, I'm, I'm handballing this straight back to you. Back to me, as you do. Oh, sorry about that, everyone. So, a little bit to get through. We'll get through the games. We'll get through the games stuff first, and then we'll throw around some of the bigger picture stuff to do with the Hawks at the moment. We'll start with the, uh, the VFL. We'll go in order of the games played on the weekend. So, the Box Hill Hawks made the trek out to Werribee to play... Um, the Werribee Tigers, and really this game was over quite quickly. It was uh, three, four to one, four at quarter time. They played a terrible first twenty minutes, and that was pretty much all she wrote. She was playing catch up footy for the rest of the day. Eventually going down eleven, fourteen, eighty to eight, twelve, sixty. Brandon Ryan and Jalen Thorpe kicked two goals. Butler Green, Kaczynski, Stevens kicked one each in terms of possessions for Box Hill Hawks. Uh, no surprises that it was um, Callum Brown, 24 disposals, uh, leading the way of the Hawthorne listed players. Long had 21, Bramble 18, Husswaite 16, Jekka 16, Ramsden 14, Butler 13, 
were the leading players for Box Hill. I watched the uh, I watched the first half. It was a frustrating experience, partly because the commentary. I don't know who else had the same experience as me. Uh, break the hand if you did. The box, the commentary was like listening to the Werribee. You know, yeah, you listen to in American sport, they have the home team broadcast and the away team broadcast. Well, supposedly neutral broadcasters, one of whom is a colleague of mine, so but I'm not going to name him here. Uh, it was like watching the in house box hill feed, uh, Werribee feed. There, there's always a bias of the VFL commentators towards standalone clubs, I think, and Werribee, to their credit, have done really well under Mick Barlow's coaching to move themselves into position to be a premiership contender. But my God, it was insufferable commentary. Talking up Werribee at every single opportunity and uh, poor old poor old Box Hill, uh, well, they barely struggled to get it mentioned. I didn't help themselves by playing a pretty shitty first half of footy. Uh, Weesey, did you see any of the game? I didn't see any of it, but followed a fair bit through socials. And I mean, obviously the initial... Disappointment. We we had Ed Seal on here last week, and you know we were certainly talking it up, and and knowing that we had a lot of um, listed players playing, we were going to go in with a really strong team. Um, but that's the nature of finals, isn't it? So um, go again, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, it wasn't to be. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of the Hawthorne listed players, but if you look through it as well, they were it's a fairly young. Hawthorne team, wasn't it? I mean, a lot of the younger Hawthorne players, listed players, were the ones in the side, so that would have been a few final nerves. And that was a big, strong bodies in the Werribee team that used to playing together. So, and playing at their home ground, the Box Hill hadn't played them at all this year, so I'm not even sure the last time Box Hill even played there. Um, probably a bit up against it. So, a disappointing outing, but they earned the double chance, and for that, they get to play Footscray, who, of course, played their game at Box Hill last week, if you can explain that. They play Footscray in the semi-final on Saturday at the ridiculous time. And again, I sort of understand why, because Channel 7 are broadcasting the game and they have it finished before the AFL game starts at 20 past three. But if you can make your way to Box Hill City Oval at 11.30 Saturday morning for a final, uh, that is when the Hawks will be playing against the Footscray Bulldogs. So It's a great... It's a great time slot to be able to watch it, uh, obviously online as as long if you're intending to watch the AFL. But I think just to close the other side of it, Ash. I mean, you, you mentioned that they were a lot younger players, and dare I go back to the development year that it has been for the club? You know, getting the opportunity for some of those kids to be able to play in a finals type environment despite the result and the fact that they get to do it again. Um, I'm sure if we don't end up winning the flag when they when they do their reviews and talk through the season that was, that is going to be a, a significant benefit for some of those kids. Yeah, that's right. I think, um, I know that the Hawks, have, I've just been so quite chat doing stuff. I haven't actually read Zane Littlejohn's um, assessment of the match yet. I think they'd be pretty disappointed. With their start, because I think once they got their themselves going, they were in the match the rest of the game. But they couldn't make the they just couldn't make a big impression. That there was too big a start. They go to Werribee. That they were as I said, they were all over the Hawks for the first twenty minutes, and even though they, they squared the ledger in general play after that, they, they'd given them too bit too large a start. So as I said, it's on to Footscray this week. Win that they go to Gold Coast, who have probably been best team all year, a, a preliminary final. So I think the path 
to apprenticeship is uh, looking pretty difficult for Box Hill. But I haven't said that. I think they would be disappointed. Um, they would be disappointed to go out in straight sets, and they would have thought, given the, t- the year they've had in the list at their disposal, that they should be a top four team in the VFL. So let's hope they win on Saturday. Don't forget, if you have any questions, leave a message in the uh, field. We'll get to it. If you want to jump on and have anything to say, we would love to hear from you. There's only three of us tonight doing some heavy lifting. So the more, the merrier. Um, Patrick, good evening. I was just going to say, I assume AFLW stuffs it up, but how the heck, considering they've got the week off, how can't Channel 7 just do all the VFL games nowadays for the whole finals? You're right, Ash. I'm not hearing Patrick, so I'm having all sorts of difficulties. I I didn't hear what Patrick had to say, so I'll leave you to answer it. No worries, uh, Patrick. I imagine it would uh, absolutely have to do with the broadcast deals and rights that are done. Um, I mean, it's a good question. Obviously, the masses would want to be able to see it and having it done um, through Channel 7 uh, or on Prime free-to-air would be wonderful, but obviously um, obviously, deals have been done. Um it, you know, I'm probably not the best to comment because I know the production companies that do a lot of um, the behind-the-scenes stuff and it's interesting listening to Ash's take having watched it um, on the weekend. So uh, this is not this is not the uh, forum for me to get stuck in. Oh, but, are, you, are you a bit conflicted, are you? Uh, it's not that I'm a bit conflicted. It's just that, um, you know, there are probably a whole host of things that I would... Be happy to talk about off the record. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, well, the VFL, the VFL broadcasting agreement is a bit all over the shop. Um, usually, VFL, you get a game on a Saturday and a game on a Sunday. Well, this time, this last week, they played all four games on a Saturday. I guess they've got the threat AFLW as well. So they're trying to cram a lot of footy into into a weekend. Channel 7, I think, did a back-to-back doubleheader. They had the... Footscray game, and then they had the where uh, the Williamstown Collingwood game. So there was a game in Queensland, which they're never going to televise, and the um, Werribee Box Hill game that missed out. So this week they're only doing one game, Channel Seven, because again there's a game in Brisbane, and I don't think their agreement or whatever or they can't get themselves in a position to broadcast that. That'll be the one that's streamed on afl.com.au, and the Hawthorne game is on Seven as a lead up to the doubleheader of the AFL final. So it's a bit all over the place, the VFL at the moment. It's a bit of a... Um, I've got a lot of issues with the VFL and it might be a conversation. We have a long conversation out of season, but I, I just think they've got so much of this wrong from naming medals that a, a competition that could be won by Gold Coast beating Brisbane, having medals named after VFA legends. They just haven't got it right. Teams not playing each other over the course of the season. Too many buys. There's a lot of issues with the VFL. Um, and all things considered, Box Hill have done very well in really what's a dog's breakfast of a competition. Uh, the fixturing, them. the number yeah. of teams, the locations, yeah, the it is just an absolute schmuzzle. It is. So um, we will see what happens uh, there. Okay, so that's the VFL. We put that to bed. We turn our attention now to the AFLW. And we welcome Sean Pynan to Hawks Insiders. Sean wrote a lovely 
uh, season preview and uh, he'll be our regular written correspondent and probably spaces correspondent. We'll have a bit of news about the spaces coming up. But um, Sean, the the uh, the Hawks uh, went down 4.630 to 7.749 against Essendon. Even first half, the Bombers drew away in the second half. And I think you might tell us there were a couple of turning points in the game, perhaps a missed shot for goal and a, and a awful turnover in the back line that probably uh, helped seal their fate. But firstly, welcome. Oh, yeah. It's good to have you with us. Thank you very much, Ashley, and, and uh, good evening to the listeners. Um, yeah, look, it was a, it was one of those games where you felt like the game got away from us very early. We did a lot of things right in the second quarter to, to um, put a lot of pressure on Essendon, um, particularly um, when they were trying to get out of their back line. Our, our press was sensational, but um, I think they had two stars um, – Press Parkus and also Toogood, who essentially dominated the game. And uh, the, the statistics really told out in the end. I think inside 50s were 21-42 in Essendon's favour. And I think we lost the uh, contested possession count by 33 on the night. So um, I think when those uh, statistics are, are put in front of any any team, um, they'll, they'll be telling on the scoreboard. And and to pick up on what you're saying, Ashley, yes, there was one run-in open goal which was sprayed. And, um, yeah, some disappointing um, disposal decisions, particularly with some kind of bombed bombed entries that, that were to, to, to no players. And, and Essendon were able to transition far too easily across the wings for most of the night. Why is Essendon a fellow expansion team? Why do they just look like they've been playing for more years than, uh, than Hawthorne has? I, I think what you've kind of said answers it um, simply that they have been playing for more years. Um, they they made a, a conscious decision um, for their first expansion year to go with a lot more experience than the Hawks. Saying that, um, this year I think we've been really um, fortunate to gain the services of, of Greta Bodie and, and also um, Emily, uh, Emily Bates, but... Um, yeah, it, it's it's evident that they've they've got probably that next level of experience and game sense with some of their players that that I still think a developing squad with with the Hawks uh, women are, are are putting together now. I don't think it's all bad, and as we saw round one in the men's against Essendon, uh, we we probably all thought things were a lot worse than they actually were um, in the game. But but there is a bit of cohesion, particularly with the two um, the two new recruits in the midfield. I also would would add that I, I was really pleased with the debut of Matea Breed uh, on the weekend. She she really um, looks like she's got very good skills. Um, she's a bit of a bull in the midfield um, and and um, has a, a decent a decent um, disposal efficiency on her. So yeah, I think a, a, a disappointing round one, but but there's Plenty to be encouraged with, and we we also managed to stay in the game where we were really out of it, if that makes any sense. Um, and and even being two goals down at three quarter time, we we still had some opportunities that we we pretty much bumbled, but um, but opportunities to stay right in the game in a game we probably should not have been anywhere near. And Sean, so the notion that. Um, one player can make all the difference. I mean, obviously, um, Bates will hopefully be a significant point of difference, but that was probably underlined with Prasparka, who, when 
when she went off injured, we were yep. all thinking, uh, okay, if she stays off injured, we're a massive chance. And when she came on, she just absolutely dominated. Yeah, it was it was pretty impressive, wasn't it? Uh, her and Bonnie too good. I, I think for two players to be so dominant in in a game was was telling. Um, I I think if you look at the type of player that Emily Bates is, and she's she's extremely industrious in and around the stoppages. Um, I think we need to just look at midfield cohesion, and, and you'll see um, Jazzy Fleming starting to come back and and run through the back of stoppages and, and out the side in it. Look, I was even um, encouraged by Charlotte Baskerin's efforts. Um, I think she's going to be a really good player and she's only 18 years old. So um, I think we'll, we'll get there in terms of the cohesion. But, yeah, you've got players like Press Barkas who are, are elite in the competition at the moment. So we, we do have a bit of catch-up there. Uh, we have the Soaring Hawk boys with us. Liam, is that you? Liam? Uh, yes, it is. I'm, hello, I'm here. How are Sorry. You? I'm going well. Hopefully, you guys can all hear me this time. Yeah, well, it's standing better than last week. That's a good start. How how did you assess the game? Um, well, I was there. I, I went down from Canberra for it. And, I mean, Sean's done a terrific job there with his summary. But, you know, I'd had Matea Breed coming in as an undersized second ruck. I thought it was impressive. But it, it really was Prasparkas and too good. Too good by name, too good by nature was really the best way I could summarise that game. Um, his point about Jazz Fleming is interesting. I liked, I think, the arrival of Bates and then obviously with Tilly and Tamara Smith in there, her role has now become a lot clearer. She had more than twice as many uncontested possessions as contested possessions. So I think I think her role as the burst midfielder on the outside is becoming a bit clearer. Um, I think Bates will ultimately be that, be that second-phase distributor as well with Tilly and Tamara probably being the two who really go in there because Bates is a much better ball user. But no, I, I think Sean's done a really good job summarising it. The back line did really well in the first quarter because it was 15 inside 50s to one at quarter time. So the back line stood up, but in the end, it really was just weight of possession that wore down the back line. The effort was definitely there. You know, look at the tackle count, but at the end of the day, they were winning contested ball. We were second to it by half a step. Tell us, tell us about the atmosphere down at Frankston with the Hawks do a good job of creating a sort of, some sort of brown and gold cauldron there. Uh, yeah, they did. Um, the other lot had a fair contingent of fans there as well, obviously. But no, it was definitely a... The atmosphere was really good. It wasn't quite what we had at Marvel last year, but 12,000 people in an enclosed space obviously helps. But no, the atmosphere down there was really good. I'm already really keen. Well, I'm coming down again this week for the Ballarat game. But round four should be really good, even though... That's going to be a. I'll call that a challenge playing against Melbourne, but um, who looked absolutely looked terrifying. By the way, when I watched them on Friday night, they looked awesome. But no, the atmosphere. At I, I think. Really sorry. Oh, Frank. Sorry to, to just interrupt a little bit there. That but that third quarter by Melbourne um, on Saturday was absolutely terrifying. So we will have to be on our best. Oh game. yeah, we we played them in a practice match as well, and the way I describe it is our defenders got a lot of practice. <laughs> Yeah, I think Melbourne, or Melbourne, both men's and women's are teams that would appear to have their premiership windows wide open. So let's turn oh, I've, I've tipped Melbourne to go undefeated. I've, I think Melbourne will go undefeated in the W. Uh, well, let's see how they go. Uh, Patrick, you got a question? I was just going to say, they didn't raise it in the pressure or anything, 
But it'd be interesting to see what happened at half time because they were they must have come on late and everything, and the co- coaches were rushing to go to the coaches' boxes, and the players didn't get a warm up or anything. So it would have been interesting to see what went wrong with all the timing that they came out that late. It was it was strange being at the ground as well. Um, and seeing that Essendon were in positions for two to three minutes um, before our players even ran back out. So I'm not sure what happened there. Maybe the, um, the timekeeping and, uh, just didn't work out. Might be a question for, uh, Max, might be a question for Max Bailey, who uh, sort of is a gem of footy, and I think he's got the oversight for the women's team. Now, so let's turn our attention to um, Ballarat. The Hawks make the drive up on Sunday for a 105 game against the Western Bulldogs. Ballarat. The Western Bulldogs were terrible against Geelong. Last week in their season, open down at uh, down at GMHBA Stadium. Um, what are the keys? Both, question for both of you. Um, what are the keys to victory for Hawthorne this week? Are there any sort of chance of winning? Um, I'll, I'll quickly go first, and I, I think we are actually a pretty good chance. Um, it'd be great to get one on the road. I'm, I'm not convinced i know we got very close to gws last year in sydney um on the road but i don't think we we saluted and also Fremantle um, late in the season but um i i think we we need probably some slightly better structuring into the and and um possession into the forward line um so first hands from a midfield would be um a big improvement on what we saw last week and and if we can then um have have our forwards actually hold position and, and be able to get some deeper entry. I, th- I think that should enable us to to, to actually put um, some scoreboard pressure on. I, I think we just we ended up looking for a lot of over the backs for our goals um, early in the game last week. So trying to get that that midfield ascendancy. The other point I was going to make was that I was I was really pleased by two other efforts, and one was seeing Tamara Luke back out there, and she she actually clunked a a really good mark um, earlier in the game. But but even um, Christy Stratton's pace, I think, caught a few um, off guard. Now, she did miss a, a goal, um, which she probably should have converted in that game. But but I think, um, yeah, I, I, the, the, the dogs didn't start super well. If our midfield can, can show, um, can get first hands out to the runners, um, I think we've got a very good chance of... of of getting enough scoreboard pressure on to at least keep us very much in the game for a lot of it. Liam, what do you think? I think everything Sean has said is correct. I think Lucy Wales coming back will be a massive help. Um, Patrick, I know you are a loyal listener. Don't laugh about Liam mentioning Lucy Wales. Shock horror, I did it again. Um, but <laughs> no, I think our it's ultimately going to come down. We need a bit more size up forward because... As good as Bridie Hipwell and Sarah Perkins are, they're both undersized as key forwards. And with Anya McDonough playing on the wing, presumably because Caitlin Ashmore has been a bit injured with a calf in preseason, we really could do with Tamara Luke spending a fair whack of the game down forward, which she wasn't able to do. And look, she was superb. She pulled at the high end. We do our best in Ferris on soaring to your height. She pulled very high in that with us. But no, she was excellent. Although Lucy Wales coming back should should allow us to have a bit more size up the ground with Tam Luke being a presence or with Lucy herself being 184 centimetres. But the, the key to beating the Dogs, really, who have, I think, seven players on their injury list at the moment, three tests and then four likely outs, 
is ultimately going to be stopping Lamb and Blackburn in the midfield, or even just send Bates head to head with Blackburn. That matchup, by the way, worth admission on its own if you're interested in going to Ballarat. But yeah, that those two were the two who absolutely slaughtered us at the City Oval last year, and ultimately it's those two who are going to drive the dogs forward and just they're the ones who are going to create the chances for the dogs to score. And they're the two we really need to focus on monitoring is em- Ellie Blackburn, who's an absolute star, and Emily and Christy Lamb, who's not far behind her. Now, a theme of us here at Hawks Insiders is that we always think the Hawks are robbed with the uh, match review officer. And I know the Hawthorne player's already been suspended for a match. Unjust or was it fair? This is Liam, the pragmatist with a law, with a law degree, talking. I, I think it was a week. It was an unreasonable rotation, in my view. Well, there you go. So, uh, yeah. I have to agree. I, as as much as the optimist in me uh, saw it, she she did put a bit of a sling sling on her, unfortunately. All right. Well, uh, so it was which player was it? it was Tamara Smith, wasn't it? Is that her name? Who was the player who was suspended? Tamara yeah, Smith. Yeah, well, a little it was Tamara Smith. Yeah. So she'll miss she'll miss the game in back for round three. Gentlemen, thank you. She's also got a shoulder injury, by the way. Oh, um, she's no certainty right, for round three. She's got a minor AC joint injury. Right, well, uh, there you go. Probably a good thing she's missing. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us to wrap up the uh, round one on the next basis. We look forward to having you back to review the season as it's going along and uh, look out for Sean's words. Hopefully some more great words from Sean on Hawks Insiders on the Substack. And Liam, you are, your podcast, of course, is the go-to podcast for all things Hawthorne AFLW, and we hope everybody on the Hawks Insiders supports and listens to you guys. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again soon. Anytime, boys. Mara, you've been you. very quiet. I'm keeping you in reserve for our next conversation, and that is Asava Ratagalia today reportedly said his preference is to be traded to Port Adelaide. Give us an analysis from a Hawthorne point of view. Is, that, uh, is this bad news for Hawthorne, or have we dodged report? It wasn't that long ago, it was probably only about 20 weeks ago, in fact, that people were starting to talk about him as an all-Australian fullback. So let's not forget that in the context. Of course, you know, he plays for Geelong, so they say that about every Geelong player. We know that. But he did, you know, he did have a very good start to the season and he's shown quite um, decent promise and also just capability, like at the moment, um, as a fullback. It's also... You know, no secret that that's kind of a position that we need to fill, um, particularly for the long term. I know I, I actually quite rate Sam Frost as a lockdown defender when he just has a very simple role and forgets all the extra stuff. But he's not really the future for our backline. So he's an okay defender. He's probably above average, I think. Um, and he is in playing in the position that we need. It would be terrible for us to overpay particularly in terms of draft picks um the salary cap we can kind of take or leave because we have so much money we can just throw it at someone especially if it's front end it doesn't really matter the one thing that i would just remind everyone this comes up this time every year that the best players in trade period are the best players in trade period that's it there's no reason to get too excited about them there's just no one better available. And we saw this last year when everyone was so upset when the, the, the best players available went to Geelong. 
And as we saw, you can take a premiership team and add Tanner Bruin and Ollie Henry and Jack Bowes, and they finish 11th. They're not actually that good. They're just the best players available. So I don't think that we should jump and get too, too, too excited about the best players that are going to be talked about in the next couple of weeks. We've got to keep it in the context of the whole league. They are, you know, if they're not the player that's going to take us somewhere, then we leave them. Let someone else throw $800,000 at, at Mackay and, and Radagalia because we need to be very, very discerning from here. We can't just be throwing $800,000 at the best player that's available. Well, I agree with you. I was never that excited about a, a bigger starter. Um, I also agree with you about Sam Frost. It's interesting to read the comments that line coaches have done there at the end of season reviews. And uh, the reports on, I mean, generally they're very positive, Weesey, but I don't know if you saw it, but the the uh, Kate Simpson of uh, message to Frost was basically get yourself, get your body right. Uh, we know what you can do when you're fit, but get yourself fit and, and right, which I, I found to be uh, quite interesting and certainly a bit less glowing than it was for some of the other players. Yeah, I think that's completely fair enough, but I think it also needs to be put into context and to somewhat counter some of what Morris is saying is when our, when our coaches put the whiteboard up with our next premiership team, on it, Sam Frost isn't in that team. Like, like, that's a fact. And we know that we're missing key defenders. So the reason we dodged a bullet with Asava, agree with everything Morris said in terms of um, his qualities inflated because he's available, is that we actually would have had to give up draft collateral for him. So I think that's in total... Uh, like, like direct uh, opposite um, opposites with McKay because we're not going to have to give anything up for him. He 100% will get paid enough wherever he goes to make sure our pick slips. So if our pick's going to slip anyway, it's not going to cost us draft capital. We might have to pay a little bit overs, and yes, compared to the whole competition, he's not the best fullback in the comp. He's overinflated slightly because we're talking about who's available, but he's 26. Could he be the fullback in our next premiership? Absolutely. So if for zero cost, we're filling one of those gaps on the whiteboards, and in 12 months' time, we're having a big crack at a Ben King or another key forward to fill someone to, to be with Mitch Lewis at the other end, then all of a sudden we're that much closer. So in my mind, absolutely, we dodged a bullet with Asaba, but McKay is exactly the opportunity that is not going to cost us anything that we should be absolutely, absolutely red hot on. But that's just my personal opinion. Obviously, everyone's got them. I know Mick's jumped on board, Ash, and, and he's got some thoughts on this as well. Uh, Mick is the voice of reason amongst all of us, so uh, good, to, good to welcome you aboard. Uh, enlighten us. Thanks, Ash. I'm not sure about the reason, but just one <laughs> thing with Wissy's comment in terms of it does cost you, because it's going to be, if you go by the reports, it's a five-year contract. And that's a hell of a lot of years to commit to a bloke who 
I'm not a great rep for, I've got to be honest. And could you get someone better in two years' time when that window this is really well and truly open? Um, as you know, the money side of it, yeah, that's a different issue altogether. But if you're signing a bloke to five years, if we're, you know, I'd like to offer you three years at best because he doesn't have a track record as far as I can see that would would um, justify a five-year contract. He's not a Jeremy Cameron type. No, but um, so the question would be, what does the offer need to be? I mean, it's irrelevant in terms of um, the inflation compared to everyone else. All we need to do is is in those conversations with him, find out what that has to be, whether that's three, four, five years. And the reality is we're not paying anyone next year. So we can significantly front load it in terms of spacing the cap in two or three years' time. That's not going to be an issue either. But I'm not necessarily saying it should be eight fifty a year. I'm not necessarily saying it should be five years, but we should be doing what we need to to get him. I don't think that this that that stops us from getting someone else next year and the year after. If I'm a bloke who's played 70 games since 2017, I, I debuted six years ago and I've played 70 games, I'm taking the one with the longest years. So if, if, if you want him, you have to offer five. Because if someone else offers five and I'm Ben McKay, I'm taking that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. clearly Sydney will you, do you that. Report. Sydney will be offering a big contract. So that, yeah. that's what well, you're up against. I think we're... Yeah, but I, I'm saying, so if you want him, you have to offer five because whatever cash you're offering, I think he's going to take the five-year deal. Because that, 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 I agree with you. I don't think it should be five. I think that's irresponsible for a bloke who's averaging, what, like 10 games a year. Um, but yeah, if, if you want him, I think you've got to do five. Yeah, I think soon you have the trump card both on length and money. Um, and need more. More importantly, their window is now, in the next three or four years, with um, uh, Heaney and that crew, and the last bit of Parker, that crew there. Otherwise, they're going to be going or plateauing at a level. So they really need him now, with uh, particularly McCartan, you know, having to go out with his concussion. Um, so I think they'll be all chips in. So yeah, I, I think if you're, I mean, Mackay's choosing City for the same reason that Jack Bowes chose Geelong. So well, why am I going from a shitty team to another shitty team? You know, I'm going you know, I could go I'm going from a shitty team North Melbourne, at least I have got a chance to go to City to you know a, a, a good team, the team that plays finals every year in Hawthorne. It's still that sort of twelve months away as much as we will it and we'll talk a bit shortly about our conversation with Will Day. As much as we will it, you know, it's probably not a finals team next year. And uh Ben Mackay, we know he's Windows right now. This is one big contract. You know, he'd be silly, objectively silly, to choose Hawthorne over uh, over um, Sydney unless he just likes living in Melbourne so much, which I don't think really is the case. Well, so part of the really interesting thing, Ash, we've talked about this twelve months ago, and you talk about it a lot. Is as we get better and as this group grows, like Sammy's ability to sell what we're doing becomes a huge part in who we're able to attract. And we know that nearly turned Bo's head at the end of last year. Um, and we we said at that point, it's going to take 
another 12 months of showing that we're on the right track and then another 12 months after that. So it'll be really interesting to see what the commentary around how good the sell was, how much we do or don't actually want him and just how close we'd, we'd be based on selling the vision and where we're at from Sammy. Yes, yeah, Sammy gets a room. He's grabbed a very convincing case, but I think Hawthorne is going to run second in the stakes for Asava and in the stakes for Ben Mackay. We'll see how the shapes up. The club they have, the player they have spoken to is uh, is Liam Henry. It's a shame we don't have Prinzi on here because Prinzi will be able to work out what the likely deal is. But um, I think Hawthorne, it's the, if the reporting today would suggest it's Hawthorne and St Kilda are the two clubs in the running for Henry, but. Uh, how does that deal get done? Is it if they get a well, if they get I, a pick back from, uh, from if they get a pick back from West Coast for Brockman? Is it do they use that or is it do they go into the futures to get a player like Henry to the club? Well, I think they've said they would look for was it fifteen to twenty five. So that the reality is where that sits for us potentially a future second rounder next year could do that. And, and we had these discussions in our in our WhatsApp group. The question will be um, the rules around being able to trade your first rounder versus future other rounds that if we wanted to trade next year's future first rounder for whatever reason, you'd need to bring another second rounder in. So um, that seems to be the mark that they'll be going for. And uh, yeah, I mean, Mora, uh, it'd be good to hear based on your Asava um comments i feel like henry's more than just the best available because he he seems to be quite a talent yep um you know go in the top 10 in the draft for nothing and he has had a very very good year increased responsibility from um Fremantle. they sort of you know they stuck him in a forward pocket for a while and they played him sort of on the off wing last year um, but this year, particularly with Acres gone, there was a bit of a chance for him to to step up, and he really did. Um, it's kind of a shame for Frio that they discovered that, and then he's walking out. But this this for mine has three way trade written all over it. I mean, if if we can give um, get get Henry and give Brockman to West Coast, and West Coast can give Frio that pick in around fifteen to twenty five that they want, um, that that seems like a pretty straightforward. Three club trade. You're dreaming uh, that we did uh, that for Brockman, though, aren't you? No, we. I mean, you know, they want twenty five. We could give twenty. We could get twenty five for Brockman, couldn't we? Don't they share the same manager too? Don't yeah, Colin Young yeah, manages every single player in West Australia. Who's the poor Connors of uh, WA? Right. The reason I think you're so dreaming you don't, you don't think, is because the- you don't think if West Coast has if West Coast has picked say twenty twenty to twenty five. Um, that they would give that no to make way. the trade happen. Brock. No way. Why would you do that when you can walk Brockman into the preseason draft and have pick one for nothing? No, but they, because they want more players than that, so they, 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 they can't Devin, give they everyone to the preseason draft. Well, and that's the one they might have to walk through the preseason draft. Yeah, they're, 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 you can only play the walk to the draft card once. Because you you don't get picks one, two, three, four, and five. So if if they um, feel that there's going to be some hardball elsewhere, 
then just do it. If you know, if they've got picks, they'll have a pick somewhere around that mark, or they'll be able to get one, or they'll have a future, or whatever. I guess chuck that to Frio, give it to Henry, and they give us Brockman. It's it's also, it's uh, it seems pretty. There's also swings around about the trade period. If you play hardball, yeah, now, it comes back to bite you in the bum down the track when you need when you need Hawthorne to a favour, a couple of picks to make a deal working you know, a three or four team deal. You don't want to you don't want to work a club over. And, and, and play that pre-season draft and use the pre-season draft card because in 12 months' time, West Coast needs a paper hall and they won't get it. So I think they clubs end up doing the deal. It might go down to the last 10 minutes of the trade period before it gets done. But I think it's, I think they will get they will work out. I don't think Brockman's going to pre-season draft. And there's a lot of good people. No. It's a good person. Hawthorne are happy to do the right thing. And Hawthorne, you know, are doing the, playing the, you know, the family card uh, oh. card family club card almost with Brockman saying you know we're going to let you go back for compassionate reasons the worry is that they get um, they did that with Brad Hill and probably uh, we're probably far too generous to Frio let's hope that that doesn't happen again the other well, so Brizzy say, say, say it's say we send Brockman and 45 and then they send 25 whatever yeah. it happens it seems like it's 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 a it's a three way trade meant to happen and I don't think it should be particularly no difficult. and the other reality is if West Coast want to play hardball over it well he hasn't actually discounted going to Fremantle, right? So there's the the opportunity there to deal directly with them if required. So there's a bit to play out. But as Ash said, usually if Henry does nominate us and Brockman does nominate one or the other, there'll be uh, a fair bit of goodwill in making sure everyone gets where they want to go. West Coast owes Sam Mitchell anyway, because without him, they wouldn't have won the Premiership in uh, 2018. So, because uh, he was the midfield coach and the midfield one in the flag. So, I think that deal gets down, done. We will look forward to welcoming Liam Henry to the club later in the year. Let's have a quick word about uh, Tyler Brockman. Let's use this opportunity because we might not be doing, uh, we might not get another chance to, uh, to bid the player farewell. We see some of his career for the, Haw- for the Hawks. Uh, I mean, I think it's going to end up being disappointing in terms of it took him some time to get started. We gave him a lot of leniency with extra time throughout the last few years in WA. There's been all the talk about, obviously, the twins and the support he's had from Sam Mitchell. And um, I, I say disappointing in terms of he's clearly a talent, and someone that we would have had, you know, I talked about that next premiership whiteboard that he would have had and still have his name included in on it. So it's disappointing from that point of view. Um, But the human factor remains and I I don't think, I I don't think he'll be remembered as a significant Hawthorne player because he hasn't played that many games. It's just a shame, but, you know, sometimes... With circumstances like that, it, it just is what it is. Yes, we saw some glimpses from him and uh, the club certainly did the right thing in handing over the 33 jumper to him. Shame it uh, didn't quite work out, but you know, as someone, as a father of twins, albeit a very long time ago, uh, I have enormous sympathy and empathy for what he had to go through, particularly with his family and the other side of the country. It was hard enough for me with my family living one suburb away uh, when he's on the other side of the country I I feel for him and I think it's a, the right move let's just hope Hawthorne I mean, they, uh, 
you know, they, they thanked Brad Hill for you know, being a three-time premiership player and, and the deal with Freo was very generously weighted towards Freo. Just hope Hawthorne play a little bit more hardball with his time, but at least ensure that the deal gets done. So we wish him very well. Mick? Just going to say, don't forget he was unlucky last year doing his shoulder in that game in the seconds at Box yeah. Hill in the first game of the year, and this is a whole season. Yeah, like, that's true. You, know, you think back and say, if he played more games last year, he might have been a settled player, better opportunities, who knows, you know. And then his family situation throws another another curveball. But, you know, he's, um, I just think he's, had a, he's been unlucky, but lucky, if that makes sense, in terms of his personal he, life, he's been unlucky in his football he, uh, There will be games next year. It always happens. There'll be a couple of games next year who light it up and the commentary will be how to Hawthorne let this bloke go. But I, I don't sit here at this stage thinking this is a, a massive setback for the football club to let him go. You know, the only complication, of course, even that, you know, with Wingard not going to play much, if, if at all, next year, that's sort of down to two uh, reasonable quality sort of small, smallish forward. So they've got a bit of work to do, but maybe Henry comes in and, and is one of those and, and it should clear the way for Butler. Not that I'm a massive, I think, the Brad agrees with this one, that uh, not a massive fan of Butler, but we will see how he goes. Um We'll park the player movement. I don't think there's too much else happening from a Hawthorne point of view at the moment, apart from, you know, they seem to be into everybody. There's been all sorts of discussion about the Hawks being into this player and that player, but that seems to be a lot covered off. We will visit the trade period. Uh, there's so much to happen still a bit down the track. Um, I wanted to talk very briefly, and Patrick, you need to sit down now as I talk about this. A little bit about Dingley um, before we uh, take uh, go through the questions. We've got a few comments. So I happened to be at a, um, a Collingwood media briefing on Sunday ahead of doing some interviews uh, for various things I'm writing. Fair to say that um, fair to say that Collingwood have got a, have built a really impressive facility at. Uh, the Olympic Park at the AIA Centre as it is now and their visitor centre uh, that they've put through where, where people walk through to go to the reception is really impressive. They've done a super job. Michael Roberts, who's their historian, has done a wonderful job. Having said that, it's not as good as the Hawthorne Museum out at Waverley, uh, which is actually far and away the best of its kind in the AFL. Um, but very interested to listen to common people talk about for all the location, location, location that works for Collingwood with, at uh, their Olympic Park, the shortcomings that they've also got uh, by being located where they are. Uh, they have a lot of difficulty in getting even access to Victoria Park, the spot for, for training sessions, and they find incredibly frustrating uh, access there and, and their ground at Olympic Park gets, just gets worn out over the course of the season. Which made me think, and I'm going to write, write a piece out this probably after the season when I've got a little bit more time, is for all the trouble and all the time that Dingley is taking, all the shortcomings and all the issues that Collingwood outlined that they have to deal with at Olympic Park will not be a problem for Hawthorne at Dingley. So there are a lot of growing pains out there and every seems to be, seems to be one step forward, two steps back for them at the moment. Rest assured that when it is built, and we have every reason to believe it will be, even though it's taken a long time, it will be worth it for Hawthorne. It will be a fantastic facility. And there will be the club, the, pretty much every club in Victoria will be envious 
of what Hawthorne are building. You're going to be able to build that deanly. So, Patrick, this is going to make you very happy because this is your uh, number one passion life. But it is going to be a great, great facility for the Hawks. It'll be worth it. Um, and hearing Collingwood people talk about it, just the penny drop, listening to them, the penny drop, saying, well, hang on, Dingley's going to be able, Hawthorne can be able to do this at Dingley that Collingwood can't do and other clubs can't do at their facilities. And Hawthorne can do that at Dingley that the other clubs can't do. So it's going to be a really good facility. The other point that people made was, you know, it's, and we know this because we've done some, we've spoken to people like Will Day about it, the, the Hawthorne, you know, it's, the proximity for the Dingley to place to suburbs like Sandingham and Hampton and Brighton and Bo Morris, which are fairly good places to live if you're a young emerging league footballer close to the beach or what have you, it's a, it's a very, very good purchase by the Hawks. For all, despite, as I said, all the growing pains, rest assured, when it is up, up and running, it'll be a facility that will be the envy of a lot of clubs in the league and I really believe will help make Hawthorne a destination club. So, as I said, I will write more about this on the Substack once the season's finished. I've got a little bit of a window, but uh, it's actually quite encouraging to hear the Collingwood people talking about that. Having said that, I did meet Kerry Brewer, who's just joined Collingwood um, as sort of the manager of the facility in a lot of ways. She's uh, She was headhunted away from Hawthorne by the Magpies, and fair to say she's a huge... Uh, she was a wonderful... A person at Hawthorne, it was very sad for the footy club, they weren't able to keep her and I felt quite uh, sad seeing her in a Collingwood top last Sunday because really Hawthorne should have done everything in its powers to find a way to keep her at the footy club because she was such an important part of the, of, of the work they were doing there and the, the groundwork for Dingley. We see one thing I've neglected to mention before we get to the questions is of course is our podcast of all day um, I'll leave you to summarise it uh, Well um, if you're not already on board the love story that is Will Day, um, you, you will be after listening to this. Definitely, if you haven't already, um, go back and listen to the pod. Ash and I had a, had the chance to have a good chat with him. Um, it is unfortunate that um, we're only releasing it as a pod because being able to see his facial expressions pre and post questions and the way he addressed it was amazing. And I mean, for me, Ash, we've been lucky enough, but before Hawks Insiders through the golden years to talk to some of the greats of the club. And, you know, there are a few of those interviews where, um, after speaking to them, you just rock back in your chair and exhale and go, that was just unbelievable. And in the last couple of years, we've done that with so many people, but just the feeling from this one was amazing. And listening to him talk about the group and the development and, you know, everything from exit interviews to his starting 23 for next year, um, he he was very happy to talk about um, carrying the burden that we all seem to be putting on um, in terms of expectations around him being our next A-grade superstar. He's on board. Hearing him talk about comparisons from him and Jai Newcomb, talking about how they want to be the next Butters and Rosie. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just an exhilarating conversation that, Again, if you haven't heard, have a listen. Ash, what were your thoughts? Well, it was good to chat. He uh, a couple of takeaways were that uh, 
he, I think, I suspect it's a, it's a belief of the cohort that they uh, they think they're ready to play finals next year. Uh, yeah, some would think they're probably two years away, but uh, that's the aim for next year that, that they can find the five or six wins extra next year to play finals. And he says, what do you say? There's no point, uh, no point trying to aim for 10, 12 wins. It's absolutely pointless. Now we'll aim for finals and see yourself to play finals, and that's what they're going to do. So we'll look forward to that. The all players being asked to before the vaccine interviews to write out the best 23, I thought was obviously a very interesting exercise. And uh, we asked about CJ, who most people have forgotten about in their best 23s. And in some cases, people say, well, I'll just trade him and see what we can get for him. And he was very resolute that his great mate will be in the team round one, fit and firing with a, a new fitness uh, regimen. And almost say people forget just what a good footballer he is and how much he brings to the team when he's fit. So, uh, that's something else to look forward to. He said he's got he got him penciled down on a half-back flank. Um, and the other thing I found interesting was really there's a two-week window to let, themself, let, let, let themselves down. I, did, I think I got the, uh, from, re, from reading from the Lions, he'll start training again on Monday, at least doing his individual training. Yeah, and he's um, back as part of the one-to-four-year group. Um, obviously, finishing in... August, which is pretty early, they're back pretty early, um, but it, it it feels like, I mean, he didn't seem disappointed with it, did he? Like, they're going to go and they're going to have a good trip to the US, um, a few of the yeah, boys. Yeah, they're all waiting, going straight after the Peter Cribbins medal for a month, but they're going to train, I think, while they're there. I think that's, you know, they're not going there to, I think they'll party, but I think they're also going there to do some serious training. So, they dates are very interesting. They, they come back. Last year, they came back quite late, but based on the email the club sent to the media, the first to four years back in the November 13, and the five to eight, and the players five years plus are back a week later, which gives Mitchell a, four, a really solid four-week block before Christmas. And that's, you can do a lot in that time. You can do a lot of strategy, you can do a lot of match play and scenario training as well as building up your fitness. So that's a really solid block. I'm not sure maybe some of the Box Hill players might... Uh, get an extra week or two uh, because they're still going. But that allows Mitchell and the coaching staff to really get stuck in and do some uh, interesting work with them. Yeah, and and I mean, he was very honest with us. Like, this wasn't a tick-the-boxes type conversation. So the, the follow-on from that is, you, you know, you get people talking about pre-season and having to do another pre-season and so much training and stuff before the season starts and you just didn't get that impression. Like, they are looking forward to the holiday, but they can't wait to get back into it and keep training and get fit. And, you know, he talked about Josh Weddle and he talked about Cam McKenzie and he talked about um, Huss Wade and seeing full pre-season into all of them. Like, the excitement that he's talking about this pre-season was, was very obvious as well. So, yeah, good chat and exciting times. Also, like the fact he said that uh... that was amazing to me. Sorry, Ash, that was amazing to me because this season has been really, really long and really, really draining. Um, and for uh, for the play- I mean, that's for the fans, <laughs> the players. I can't imagine it. They've been, you know, smashed a few times. People have accused them of tanking. There's been a lot of external noise as well. I would have thought, you know, the season's over. It seemed like that a little bit in the Fremantle game. A lot of them had kind of checked out early. Um, and to see that even after all that, he's got this real, like you said, enthusiasm and excitement 
Um, it's almost like he's looking forward to preseason, which, you know, footballers kind of unanimously say is like the worst part of the year. Um, that's fascinating. And it was really encouraging. I love the fact he said they also like take keen interest in the trade period, but they usually in the no 24 hours before any news breaks. And then they just sit back and have a laugh at all the reactions and overreactions that come every time Hawthorne's linked to a player. So I found that uh, fascinating as well. So clearly, obviously the club obviously must uh, get ahead of the message with the players sometimes. So listen, you're going to see reports about this and they probably tell the yeah, air it's on, but don't say anything or it's not true and don't say anything. And uh, then they get the kicks out of watching idiots like us uh, and Brad in particular start <laughs> overreacting to everything. So it was a great podcast. We commended to you. Uh, we have been promised Rob McCartney in the next little while as well. So uh, we are. I hope I suspect we'll probably wait till um, we'll probably wait till after Box Hill season finishes before we grab him. But uh, that's going to be a fascinating chat as well. We'll have lots to go through with him. Let's get to some questions before we go. Um, Hawk twelve. He's got a few comments here. Um, agrees with you, uh, Mara, that uh, wait and p- be patient for future years when better players are available. Look for a few rough gems at reasonable prices. Speaking of rough gems, he's got another rumour, and this was reported that Richmond is apparently into a forward that no one could quite identify. Well, according to uh, Hawk12, the strong male is that Cozzy is being caught by Richmond, and we are very much into Marbiol Mar- Chol. Well, that would be fascinating to see where that happens. Chol because he wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. You know, both look like the sort of players who could um, do with a change and certainly troll them that much of future at um, the Suns, you think, with Walter coming to the side from the draft. So why not a different mix at Hawthorne? I'd be, I'd be open to troll. We might discuss that a bit more in the next spaces. Um, Glenn Thomason says, I don't know why we're looking at key back. We have Jacob Kaczynski. He basically had his rookie year to prove himself in the back line before being thrust in the forward line. There's nothing to lose by moving to back. It could be a strike of genius. Uh, well, you, a few people think they should do that, but they should move him back to the back line before giving up on him entirely. Um, and that may be a way to go. I've been banging on about that all year, Ash, except that even when he's been dropped and been playing at Box Hill and not doing anything there, they haven't tried it. So I'm just not sure why that would be different now. From it was, so I was going to say, it was reported, I think I saw somewhere that, or, you know, rumoured that he was told at his exit interview that he's free to look around and test the waters and see if anyone else was interested. So maybe yeah, that I, links up with I, the Richmond talk. I don't think he's even had his exit interview yet. I think the Box Hill players and those still playing for Box Hill probably haven't had it yet. So I don't quite believe that story. Patrick should also add to Collingwood chat that most Collingwood fans hate that they don't have a grandstand at their facility at Hawthorne have that at AFLW Oval. That much is true. Um, Mr. Jazz agrees with me. The, I watched Box Hill Hawks and the commentary was so bad it was stupid. I didn't watch Q3 because of it. All involved should be shattered themselves. Well, that might be a slight uh, overreaction, but I just thought it was fairly unprofessional and um, and it just didn't seem to me to lack balance. Having said that, I didn't watch the second half for a couple of different reasons. Um, uh, Mikhail, interesting in the Defenders review, Simpson made comment about Amon being a defender next year. Well, I found it interesting that he was loved in the Defenders in that uh, review in the first place, but I think Amon off halfback, you know, would open the possibility of, I don't know, of, of Giat or Weddle sort of moving to the wing uh, to play as well. So, Or Liam um, Henry. 
Jolene Henry. Henry. That's right. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Stalking Hawk, Jack Ginnivan, can we get him? What will Dorf give us to get them banned by Compo for Mackay? Are we sure everyone else will pay enough for round one? Uh, Compo, well, I think Sydney are going to offer him $800,000 a year. That would be enough to tip into round one. Compo, I know Princey's just joined us, but we can give him a break tonight. But I'm a bit concerned now that uh, Hawthorne might not get Dersma, who's a player that in draft that many of us have our eyes on now if North get picks two and three. Wax says, I think we'll get Henry for a future second. That seems to be the way to go. I think we'll wrap it up there. Now, a little bit of housekeeping. We're actually going to... Um, we're actually going to not do a space for the next couple of weeks, only because I think all we're going to be doing is talking about a lot of speculation. But we're going to ramp up the coverage in terms of our um, in terms of our player review pods are going to start dropping pretty soon. And Rob McCarty, if there's breaking news, of course, we will do a special edition space. Don't you worry about that. But we're just going to uh, hold off for a couple of weeks. We're going to come back with a vengeance, um, probably after the grand final with a big trade preview spaces. And then based on last year, we will probably, and the year before, we'll probably do nightly spaces right through the trade period as well. There is huge interest and Hawthorne are going to be front and centre of a lot of stuff going on. So it's been long year for us, so we need to beg off for a couple of weeks just to uh, refresh our batteries. Um, but the Substack, which you can subscribe to for $5 a month or $50 a year, will be across Box Hill, will be across AFLW, uh, as we had the, uh, Excellent reporting already on the AFLW. We're going to keep that going. So, Weezy, what am I missing? And I think that pretty much sums it up beautifully. Uh, just a big thanks again to Sean for his uh, his coverage with the AFLW, and there'll be more of that over the coming weeks. And, yeah, looking forward to bringing heaps more content through the Substack. Yeah, so, and look, we thank everyone for your support. All the, So many of you are regular listeners to the space. We saw the same faces and names every week and a lot of you don't ever comment or ask a question, but we really do appreciate your support. So uh, thank you for giving us an hour of your time every Wednesday or Thursday night, whenever we've done it. But uh, we're just going to switch off a couple of weeks, but the finals play out, come back with a bit of fresh material a bit further down the track. And uh, so we're really looking forward to a a great uh, October on the the spaces because there'll be so much to talk about. So uh, we're just going to, as I said, we're just going to recharge for a couple of weeks. So we thank you for everything with uh, your support till now. Um, look out for the player review pods. I'll just, I'll start dropping pretty soon. Um, but yes, if there is some major breaking news out of Hawthorne, we will obviously reconvene for a special space if need be. So thank you, Mora. Thank you to Sean. Pleasure. Thank you, Mick. Thank you, Weesey. Uh, thank you, Danny, for listening in and not uh, joining us on tonight. Uh, but you've had a well-earned break as well from 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 talking and, and being such a big part of our space as well. So and to Daz as well, and to, and Daz, to Daz, Daz as well, of course. Daz, Daz, yeah, well, Daz, uh, well, Daz is not even listening tonight. And Brad sends apologies. He had a school musical tonight. He said he thought we'd do it tomorrow night. To which I said, well, if we're doing it tomorrow night, you'd be the only one in the room because we'll all be watching the footy. So. Um, Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you again very soon. Look, keep a lookout, obviously, on our socials, Hawks Insiders on X or Twitter, as it used to be, for all our movements and things we've got coming up and links to podcasts and what have you. We'll be very active and stay in touch with you all. So enjoy the finals. We'll talk to you again before too long on Hawks Insiders. Thanks and good night. Good night.
Thanks so much for listening to Hawks Insiders. Head to our Substack for more quality analysis, special features, news, interviews, and so much more.